This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. It's Groundhog Day. Not really, but... Uh, Wait, we... is it? No. Oh, is oh it? I well, see. When because... is Groundhog Day? I don't know, like in the winter sometime, I think. I don't think it's happened yet. This episode is being released on January 28th. I don't think it's happened yet. But what I'm trying to say is we did a Holiday Cookies 2 episode back in, was it December or did it air in early January? I think it was December 2nd, 2020. In that episode, we talked about the fact that this was our second Holiday Cookies episode. And we joked that we were just going to keep doing it because... Lori has been engaged in a project. Has been engaged to me. We're getting married. We're here again. It's like Groundhog Day. We're doing <laughs> holiday cookies again. You're Welcome. really leaning hard into this Groundhog Day I metaphor. Am. I'm I like it. I'm trying to make it be Groundhog Day. It's holiday cookies Three. Yes. And this is going to be like uh, like the movie Halloween 3, where it doesn't really have anything to do with the first two episodes. They like totally throw away the existing premise and uh, introduce you to new characters. So I'm Bob. Oh, I'm Sue. Okay. And we're going to have a special guest on the program. But let's leave that for uh, for like, <laughs> I don't know, probably 17 seconds from now. Okay. So yeah. I think we need to we- recap. Let's recap. Last time, back when we were back when we were known as Molly and Matthew instead of Sue and Bob, wife of the show Lori was engaged. <laughs> wow, she said I engaged, and then you verb. made me say engaged. <laughs> you guys have been engaged for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe maybe sometime we'll make it official. I don't know. Was working through the <laughs> was working through some issues, <laughs> and those issues took the form of cookies from the 2001 Sunset Cookies of the Year issue and there were 20 of them total and as of our last holiday cookies episode she had made 13 of them and so there were seven remaining we're not going to recap which 13 we talked about last time you can go back and listen to that episode although i'm sure we'll refer to some of them because we're going to talk about some some top picks uh but there were seven cookies remaining in the holiday sunset holiday cookie project they were amaretto butter cookies mocha marmalade shortbread bars peppermint molasses cookies, oatmeal cookie sandwiches, 
apricot buttons, gingerbread cookies, and white chocolate raspberry slices. I was describing this, what we were going to be talking about today, to Ash this morning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I I was kind of giving them a recap of of this project, of these 20 Sunset Holiday cookies. And it occurred to me that the fact that this feature in Sunset Magazine was from, what, 2001? 2001, yeah. It's so fitting for our show, how we're always on top of the latest trends, how we're always referencing, like, you know, um, yep. current Groundhog cultural Day, for example. touchstones. Yeah. It's so <laughs> fitting that the project that we are discussing is a cookie magazine story from literally 20 years ago. <laughs> yes, yes. As of, as of, well, I think it was probably published like, November, December 2001. So it's not quite... 20 years old. Okay, but still. Um, so give us some credit. It's really in keeping with our, our timely, you know, cultural references. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I've mentioned this on, on the show before, and I don't I don't remember, like, the, the entirety of the joke, but um, one of, basically my favorite thing I ever read in the newspaper was there was this advice column. Wait, let's introduce our, our guest, because oh she probably God. wants to weigh in on this, too. So our, our guest this week is uh, wife of the show, Lori. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I can't uh, believe, wait a minute, this is the first time we've ever had Lori on the show. Yes, uh, Lori has appeared on the show once before in a third love bra advertisement. Welcome back, Lori. Thanks. Welcome back for the first time. <laughs> Lori, I think you probably remember this also. There was It was a letter to an advice column, and the letter writer was a concerned parent who was writing because their, uh, their child kept getting invited over to a friend's house, and this friend was letting their child watch, quote, cool movies like Stripes and Groundhog Day. This letter was published in, like, 2014. So it was not when these movies were new. These were already, like, you know, classic comedy movies. And, and, and but how, like, how did the advice columnist respond to this? Do you remember? I don't, because we just kept laughing about how there were never any cooler movies than, than those. Stripes and Groundhog Day. <laughs> movies movies that, like, if you let your child watch them too young, they, they will be ruined. Mm-hmm. I think the advice columnist probably said, like, chill out, dude. <laughs> Stripes is so cool that I've never even heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. I have not seen it. I think it's like Bill Bill Murray is in the army and it's like 1980. Cool. <laughs> I think that's the premise of the movie. Okay. You know, somebody should do a movie podcast where they watch, you know, movies that aren't very good and talk about them. Oh, oh, I see. I thought I thought uh, a movie podcast where we watch watch cool movies uh, <laughs> that could uh, that could change the life of like an 11 year old. That too. We'll call it. Uh, gosh, how would we? Re- how, how what kind of spin? Could we put on dire desires to make it work oh, with this? Oh, like new? cool, c- cool reels, um, <laughs> real cool reels, because because cool, movies come um, on reels. Cool, yes, movies come on reels. Yeah. Wait, somebody, uh, we're going to do listener mail later, but I just remembered someone Someone uh, let us know, I think on the Reddit, that, remember, we were talking about cool movies a couple episodes ago because we were talking about the movies Once Bitten and Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. somebody wrote it to let us know that Jim Carrey was in the movie Peggy Sue Got Married, as well as starring in the movie Once Bitten. So we, really? we were having like our own little Jim Carrey film festival without even realizing it. Oh, my gosh. I have seen so few Jim Carrey movies because for a long time he really annoyed me. Oh, I'm not a big fan. Oh, say. oh, wow. The truth comes out. Okay. 
Okay, so, so far on this episode, we have hatched a new podcast idea. We have taken a stand on Jim Carrey, Mm -hmm. and now let's talk about holiday cookies. Let's do it. Okay. I mean, we've got, we've got wife of the show, Lori, here at our disposal, um, (laughs) who, who like made a lot of cookies. I just realized I had no, no idea how I'm I'm introducing this segment. But uh, let me, let me ask you first, Lori, what did you learn from, well, why did you want to do this project in the first place? Oh, because 2001 is so timely. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I just, you know, like a lot of people, I was looking for a project. This was like October and I wanted something to do. I'm, you know, home more and my family likes to eat cookies. So, Mm -hmm. And had you had this story clipped out of Sunset Magazine, just like burning a hole in your recipe file? No, I. so I had this like literally clipped from 2001. I think it is actually the copy that was on my parents' coffee table in Portland, like their literal coffee table. I don't think Um, I knew that. Yeah. And um, I had made the cranberry coconut cookies, which I have made like, you know, a dozen times or maybe Mm -hmm. even every year. I've made them a lot of times and everybody loves them and they're always really good and that's why I lived it but I actually had no idea I had saved the whole article I have the like cranberry coconut recipe in my email I email it to people all the time because everyone always likes the recipe but then I saw it and I was like oh I have you know 19 other cookies it seems like it could be fun so that reminds yeah. me I've been meaning to tell you uh that I'm really looking forward to when we're able to go to Portland and visit your parents again so I can catch up on Sunset Magazine that's right <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, Lori, you know, we have occasionally on the show had a segment called What Have We Learned? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I do want you to walk us through these last seven cookies. Mm-hmm. But but before we do that, I want to kind of get like a big flyover. Like, what, what did you learn about <laughs> yourself, about cookies, mm-hmm. about ambition <laughs> through this project? So one of the things I learned is that People have very different tastes in cookies. And in particular, Matthew and I have very different tastes in cookies. I didn't really understand this yet. I started to think my next magazine article I needed to consult was, can this marriage be saved? Probably from 2001. (laughs) Because we did not like any of the same cookies. And in fact, Matthew at one point, well, the first recipe I made was chocolate chip meringues. And he said, yeah, I don't think we're really a meringue family. And then I gave a classic like, well, somebody's eating those cookies pretty quickly. So, yeah. So we did like the chocolate chip meringues. Wow, that was a real, um, I feel like the, the Gottman Institute would not <laughs> would not like the way that you framed that question. Like, mm, Yeah, no, I got, a, I got one of those pop-ups from Gmail that says, like, you haven't opened any emails from the Gottman Institute in 17 years. Like, do you want to unsubscribe automatically? Yeah, because that seems very, uh, like, uh, as the patriarch of the family, it seems That's like me. our family doesn't like... <laughs> I don't I don't recall this incident, but I can't prove that it didn't happen. But the meringues, I think part of the thing was they were chocolate chip. And so one thing we've learned that especially Matthew in December will almost always prefer any chocolate cookie over a non-chocolate cookie. And so I feel like we have learned a lot about our family and this helps us to, you know, make some good choices. Usually brownies. <laughs> yeah. Brownies equal good choices. <laughs> have you have you ever had this experience where like there was something you knew and then like later you realize you're confirming the thing you already knew? Because like I went into this project thinking, oh boy, I got to try all these different cookies and like I should have already known about myself that the only cookies I really like are chocolate cookies. And so those were all my favorites. 
I think that I'm with you there. But I, I think it's kind of this human nature thing to to not be able to see your own tendencies, right? Yeah. Didn't you um, write a book about this? Yes. Yes. I, I think this is... Um, we haven't plugged your book in too long. The Fixed Stars. It's great. It's available anywhere books are sold. Anyway, okay, well, I I love the progress we're making in your marriage through talking <laughs> yeah. about these cookies. So can we I go cookie by I did not realize that's what cookie. I was signing up for when we planned this episode, but okay. <laughs> can we go cookie by cookie and, and hear about them? Yeah, should we just, just the, the last seven, right? Yes. Because we, yes. we went cookie by cookie and you got my opinion on them, which uh, is probably not fair, but... <laughs> But in the interest of not, like, revisiting 13 cookies. Yeah. I, I think, Lori, if it's all right with you, let's just do the last seven. I'd like to hear what Matthew says about the last seven, because when I listened to the previous episode, there were some comments that raised my eyebrows. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and your eyebrows have been raised ever since then. <laughs> I thought it was, like, a, like a, a new, like, cosmetics routine. <laughs> but, um, okay, so amaretto butter cookies. You, do you want me to go first on each one? Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember these being quite tasty. Like you could really taste like the almond and they had didn't they have like Wait, wait. Can you can you give me a quick visual of each cookie? Like what did they look like? What was the texture, etc.? I do not remember what these cookies <laughs> looked oh like. Oh my god, Matthew. <laughs> what like what's more important about a cookie, the way it looks or the way it tastes? Uh, it sounds like you're it saying tastes, it's the way but, it looks. So the amaretto butter help. cookies are like a butter round butter cookie, and they were actually really pretty because they had sliced almonds on the top kind of fanned out. So I like them because oh, they right. looked fancy, even though I did not do anything really except stick some almonds on the top. Okay. And okay. did those have like almond paste in them as uh, well as? No. no? I don't okay. think so. They had an amaretto in the dough. Okay. Yeah, because I remember them having a really good almond mm-hmm. flavor. Oh, another thing that happened on the, on the previous episode is I kept describing things as kind of like a shortbread. <laughs> cookie and Lori was like you really don't know what a shortbread cookie is do you and I was like no was this like a shortbread cookie yes okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was gonna say that and then I was afraid it's a crisp cookie yeah. okay okay so I, I want to hear you know the uh, qualitative assessment um oh like these these were among my favorites like it's a simple cookie but like like it had it like the almond flavor came through mm-hmm. intensely and I love an almond flavored thing mm-hmm and I, I like this one, and a teen of the show, December, really liked this a lot. They said this was the one they kept, like, um, grabbing out of the container, which I was a little surprised, but I was very pleased. Nice. Next up, well, I, I don't know. I mean, Matthew, is there a reason why you put these in this order on the agenda? Should we just- No, I did. I looked through the article. I think this might be the order in which they appear in the article among the cookies that hadn't been made, <laughs> that we hadn't talked about yet. All right. Let's go for the next one. All right, mocha marmalade shortbread bars. We mentioned this on the last episode because I was so curious because it sounded like something, like a combination that I would never have come up with. And it tasted like a combination I never would have come up with (laughs) and do not want to encounter again. Like the the, uh, coffee-flavored shortbread seemed like it might be good. Uh Uh-huh. but then it had a layer of marmalade and particularly like the bitter orange together with the coffee just did not work for me. Lori, what did you think? No one loved those, Matthew. So mostly Matthew's uh, parents have gotten a couple of each to try. And my sister's family have also tried. Actually, my sister refused these because she hates coffee flavor. But uh, no one who tasted them really loved them. So it w- this was definitely a case of something we expected not to like, and we did not like it. So there was like a layer of shortbread, like a mocha yes, shortbread. Yes, like pressed in the bottom of a pan. Yeah. 
And then you just like painted it with marmalade? And then spread a layer of marmalade on and then spread melted chocolate over the marmalade. Ah, okay. It seemed like a prank. Like, why did you put a layer of marmalade in here? You know, I I guess prank kind of makes sense because what I thought about this is... (laughs) That it was like a cookie that adults might eat that kids would find horrifying. And like, oh. it's the sort of thing like kids, uh, kids would think like, oh, something grownups would like and kids would hate it. Yeah, I, I don't love the idea of this. I mean, despite the fact that I used to write a blog that was named for a confection that was like. Oh, that's a good point. Candied orange dipped in chocolate. I don't love orange and chocolate that much in any other form. And especially not the idea of the bitterness of marmalade. Like, I'm pretty particular about when I want marmalade anyway. Like, I love marmalade on popovers, for instance. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or anyway. crumpets. Really good on crumpets. Oh, yeah, God. no, I'm not I'm not Sounds opposed great. to marmalade. Just, like, this, these three things together. Mm-hmm. Well, I, think, I think, like, the coffee and the marmalade did not work for me. Even though, like, the idea of, like, having, like, a... a scone with marmalade and a cup of coffee. I mean, that sounds good, I guess. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Next up, peppermint molasses cookies. These were really good. Okay, is, is part of the bit here going to be that I'm going to try and remember like what the yep. cookies were? Yep. Okay. It was like a chewy molasses cookie with like crunched up candy cane bits in it. And also maybe like the cookie itself was flavored with mint extract? No, it had a um, peppermint glaze peppermint on the top. Glaze, that was the main right. thing. Yeah. But also it did have those chunks yeah. though, right? This, okay. This strikes me as like too many strong flavors going on like I would never think to put like candy cane next to like a chewy molasses cookie Mm -hmm. and I cannot imagine the two of them together it seems really weird yeah but I mean I liked it yeah I just like what I like (laughs) well so I also Molly I had basically the same thought but um you know, Matthew's mom in particular, Judy, really loved this one. She said it might be her number one. And it was just really interesting because, you know, she is a great baker and, you know, has knows a lot about desserts and baking and recipes. And she said, who would think there would be like a new combination to her? And she thought it was great. It worked. It worked somehow. Did she like <laughs> mocha marmalade? She didn't say much. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Okay. So. Huh. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. I'm very curious to see this recipe. I wonder if uh, Lori might be willing to, to share well, it. Well, the, the entire, we, we made the entire Sunset article available, and so far no one has told us to take it down. So <laughs> oh, we will link great. to it again in the show notes. It yep. has all the recipes we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Okay. Next up, I'm very excited to talk about this one. Oatmeal cookie sandwiches. Wait, hold on. This has the weirdest syntax of any cookie name. <laughs> because it sounds like the the cookie is in the middle of the sandwich. Well, yeah, it should be like an oatmeal sandwich cookie. Yeah, right. I mean, what is an oatmeal what cookie sandwich? <laughs> like, it's maybe. I mean, a cookie sandwich sounds like a cookie on two slices of bread. <laughs> right. Okay, but what is it really? It's two kind of lacy oatmeal cookies, like lacy caramelly, with a very thick, uh, like thick in texture spread of ganache, chocolate ganache <gasps> in the middle. That's very accurate. Really? Yeah. What makes a cookie lacy like that? Mm. Lots of butter, I'll bet. Right, and not much flour. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. This sounds like a very fancy hobnob. Yeah, except like hobnobs are more like I mean, it, yes, it's got the oat flavor. Hobnobs like are all about like that nubbly texture and this and this is more of a chewy, crispy, chewy texture. Mhm. 
And this one, there were bad omens as it was being made. <laughs> oh, do, you, no. do, you, do you recall? Yes, though I thought the ganache seemed like it was very thick and weird. Oh, and also the original recipe calls for making it mint ganache. And I just decided I am not putting oatmeal and mint chocolate together. Oatmeal and chocolate, yes. Mint, no. But the, then the ganache seemed weird and the cookies were sticking to the pan and I was trying to pry them off and I thought it was a total failure. But then some just kind of plunged ahead and um, I still thought they were a little strange but Matthew and December really, really liked them yeah this was this was easily in my top two <laughs> these are the ones where like they didn't last a day <laughs> wow also, also I was only making half recipes so this one only made like 10 cookies so yeah but I ate like part. five of them <laughs> god I find ganache to be finicky Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, of course it is because it's, you know, chocolate and you got to worry about tempering and moisture and all that stuff. But it doesn't surprise me that that this one gave you some trouble, because I also think that the texture of a cookie like this could be difficult to to work with and, and difficult to like. Like, did it have a tendency to like break or crack mm-hmm. when you were putting ganache on it? Yes. Yes. I mean, like one pan, they seemed too soft and then the next pan seemed oh, possibly overdone and it all seemed, I was just the whole time, I was just like, I don't think this is working. But in the end, it worked. Magic. You know how, you know how I would describe the uh, the texture of these cookies, like the, especially the ones that came out softer and less crispy? Like, you know how when you were a kid and you were you would take a slice of Wonder Bread and smash it, squeeze it into a ball <laughs> in your hand and then eat it? Like, you could do that to these cookies and it would be great. I'm, 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 no, I'm, just, I'm just picturing it. I'm just yeah. listening to you two muse about this and I'm just I'm just picturing it. That's Let's all. rate all these cookies on a squeezability scale. Okay. It's like, it was like when you can do that with like a piece of, of cheap uh, white sandwich bread, you know? Like, yeah, that's what I was that, thinking. Is this what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Uh, how about the apricot buttons? Can you, are those squishable? <laughs> they are not. Those are those have more of a more of a not crispy like. Crunch. They were a little more on the chewy. Yeah, well, yeah. but like when they were soft. first, like yeah. when they were like shortly after they were made, mm-hmm. they had like a little bit of crisp yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Was this like a thumbprint cookie? Yeah, it was basically your classic thumbprint cookie, like dipped in um, ground walnuts and then thumbprinted. Yeah. Oh, this might have wow. been. This is probably like in my top two for non chocolate cookies. Okay. Was there anything other than like vanilla in the cookie dough itself? No, this was the one I think of the apricot buttons, like pretty much of all the 20 recipes, the one that I thought was just a real basic classic Christmas cookie. Like I remembered having all the time when I was a kid. Cool. Did the cookie itself have a shortness to it? Like was Uh, it? Yeah, a little more towards that side, though, of course, like after they're filled, then the jam, it softens a little bit. So Yeah, yeah. I would describe it as kind of like a short bread cookie but with some jam on it <laughs> carry on carry on uh, and you you made like some of them with apricot mm-hmm. and some with raspberry because yes. we had some yep. raspberry jam and they were both good mm-hmm. i like both cookies <laughs> i also love knowing that you made half batches of these things Lori, because when matthew and i did the previous episode he didn't specify that right and so i was like Whoa, you guys ate an entire batch of cookies in one day? I mean, I was going to be very impressed with your... I, yeah, I actually, we had some trouble with um, earlier when, at, towards the beginning when I was just making batches of cookies and then I realized that I could not keep making that many cookies, especially yeah. just like you talked about in the last episode. It just didn't seem like a great idea this year to be like, you know, sending lots of cookies around, um, though I did 
share a few within the family. So half batches was definitely a good choice, even though I kept having to have eggs, which is super annoying. It's so annoying. I, agree. I, I will I will have eggs for you. I've, I've, oh. I've, like, yeah. It's so sweet. You too. Your Finally, marriage, your marriage is already on. looking up and we're not even done with the episode. <laughs> this marriage can be saved. Yes. No, this no. I just I just this just in. I just got an email from John Gottman who says try try separating eggs together. <laughs> Okay, next up, gingerbread cookies. These these seemed like just gingerbread cookies, right? Yep, they like, were your basic cutout gingerbread cookies. It was interesting because I don't make these a lot anymore. I make um like, you know, the ginger cookies, like the crinkly kind that you roll into balls. Most mm-hmm. I make those a lot, but uh, not the rollout kind. They were made with oil and no butter, which I was like a little thought was a little odd but um that made them very very easy to cut out and roll and i thought they tasted great yeah i thought these were fine <laughs> yeah like yeah i there's never there's never going to be a, like a gingerbread person cookie that blows my mind i don't think <laughs> but maybe i don't know so Lori, one thing that kind of puzzles me about this project is <laughs> like here's where it, the hard-hitting journalism <laughs> comes in it is <sighs> How did you like get it up to do these recipes that you weren't very excited about? Talking about marriage advice. Like, no, but really, like, even sometimes, like, if I'm making something for my child or my spouse, like something that I'm not super excited to Mm -hmm. make, but that is fine Mm -hmm. and that I know they're going to like, I I just find it difficult to like get going. Mm -hmm. And you made 20 recipes and surely you were less than excited going into a lot of them. You know, having, having it as a, it's like, I always, okay. I always hated like talking about like measurable goals at work. (laughs) It's been a part of my life for a long time, but actually having this as a specific measurable goal made it very doable because I just knew I was going to make them all. And there was, I think, one day when I got really annoyed and was not happy with like some of the cookies I was making. And I was like, I just want to make something that I know how to make it and I know it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And so I just, mm-hmm. uh, I made a bit the cranberry coconut cookies because I've made them so many times. And it was, it was really nice to make something familiar again. Because yeah. yeah, trying, I just realized I did not like love making new recipes that I didn't know if they would be good or not. But it was fun. Uh, It was since it was a project, then it was fun. Yeah. And I think also the fact that you wound up having some of the recipes probably made it also more doable. Yeah. Because it's like you hate to like feel like you have might like throw away like, uh, you know, ingredients and stuff. So especially when you're dealing with like butter and chocolate and Mm -hmm. nuts, like it's expensive stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right, the last right. one. Yeah, we mentioned the, the cranberry coconut chews. Is that what they're called? Yes. Uh, we did talk about those last time. Those were the, the uh, for like 19 years, the only recipe from the <laughs> Sunset Cookie Roundup that we ever made because they were the cookie of the year. And they like they were almost everyone's favorite. And they were certainly my favorite of the non-chocolate cookies. They really are a great cookie. Mm-hmm. But they're but. not the last cookie we're talking about today. That would be white chocolate raspberry slices. Seeing this cookie being made, like when they talk about like, you know, you don't want to see the sausage being made. That's kind of what this was like. It was strange. It's a cookie that you make like in strips and then you cut the strips into little chunks. And it was not hard to make, but it didn't I didn't feel like it really paid off. It actually 
these were okay, but it made me actually start going to look for other similar recipes that I thought were better that I'd made before. And it did not make me a fan of white chocolate because it just didn't seem to add much. Can you t- describe that what these like, looked like? It's very exactly. hard to describe. It's very hard to describe. It. <laughs> but, so it's basically just like, oh, like a little bite-sized cookie, like a butter vanilla cookie with a little bit of jam. If you're lucky, some of them didn't. <laughs> huh? If you behave. <laughs> the, the design was not really well thought out. Like some cookies had the way, like you have like a long strip of dough and you put indentations in them and fill the indentations with jam, but not jam for every cookie it was the whole thing was kind of strange and then so it's just like a little bite-sized cookie with a little jam on it and a little white chocolate drizzled on it so okay yeah. okay okay we right. do have a bunch of white chocolate left now so mm-hmm. i might m- try doing that caramelized white chocolate oh, that we were talking about, about that. on the white right. chocolate episode whenever that was so Lori, which one of these mm-hmm. do or not one of them, hopefully more <laughs> than one, do you think will go into the rotation? Obviously, you know, there's the, the cranberry coconut ones. Yes, that's been in the rotation for a long time. So on the last episode, I think Matthew said about the nutmeg sugar cookies, uh, something like, I don't even remember those. I don't know what they are. Um, so <laughs> that one I really liked a lot. My sister liked it. And that was the one out of just because of uh, kind of some timing. I happened to send some of those to a friend of mine and she said they were one of the best cookies she's ever had. So I'm definitely planning to make nutmeg sugar cookies again. And maybe Matthew won't eat them all. So that's fine. Oh, my God. I would love to have I, some. OK, we'll try they and make that really happen. good. And then December and I both really liked the Napoleon's hats. Right, yes. which, which had the, yes. the almond filling, and they were very fun to make. Uh, they are uh-huh. much easier and more fun than like a lot of times. I kind of avoid a filled cookie because I think it's too complicated, but it yeah. actually was pretty fun to make. Um, so that one, December is mentioned, and I really liked a lot that we will definitely make again. I loved the sound of the Napoleon's hats. And, you know, it actually, the, the fact that they, because it's just almond paste in the middle of the hat. It's right? actually, it's almond paste blended with some egg white. Ah, so it and makes so it maybe a little chewy, fluffier? but a little lighter also. Yeah. Okay. Because whenever Matthew and I taped that episode, uh, well, about a week after that, I made these uh, holiday cookies that I had made once before. I made them again. Uh, they're from Louisa Weiss's book, Classic German Baking. Yes. And they're called Bibele. It's a honey gingerbread dough. So you roll it out, you portion it into eight pieces, and you roll them out thinly, and then you put a log of almond paste down the center and roll up the dough around the almond paste. So you've got this okay. thing that looks like a weird kind of weird little hot dog order. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but then you then you cut across it. You cut it into mm-hmm. like rhombuses sort uh-huh. of. Yeah. And I love them. I love them. It's a very mild gingerbread flavor. And then this almond paste that's like really mm-hmm. chewy. Anyway, it made me think of the Napoleon's hats and, yeah. and want to try the Napoleon's okay. hats all the more because of their sort of you know they kind of echo each other so is it bieberly yes is that right like that it really yeah. is oh Be- i think Bieber? you said bobola like like what your <laughs> jewish grandmother calls you no no it's well it's bibola in in, in german yeah. okay well okay. that's More, what so close bibola 
Yes. Okay. So, Molly, I actually, um, I watched the video that you and Louisa oh. did where you oh, made you those did. cookies. Yeah, it was so fun because it was just like, you know, a fun Christmas cookie watching video. And so maybe we can put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, Because they sure. looked really Absolutely. good. But it's, um, it was for a book larder event. So it's on Book Larder's YouTube. And it was very fun. And I really liked it because sometimes it's hard to picture what a cookie looks like. So, yeah. Like you said. So. I, I was like, you know, mm-hmming along. Like, yeah, I know what a, what a rhombus that looks sort of like a hot dog or your <laughs> is well, but well, the thing that will make sense to you is I remember now from the video Matthew is that Molly said they look sort of like combos yes, yes. okay yes now yes. I know exactly what you mean but like like maybe if combos were cut on a diagonal uh, I think they're no? cut across. Cut across? Okay. They, they look like combos. All right. <laughs> well, the one thing that you should know about Bibelot, um, which I didn't know the first year I made them, and so I, I was unsure of what I thought about them, is that so uh, apparently a lot of German Christmas cookies are on the drier side because oh. they are meant to be served with tea. And to be dunked into tea. Okay. And, I was going to ask and if it you also, meant So it to has to do with the way that the dough is made. Especially the doughs, I think, that involve honey tend to be a little drier and chewier. So anyway, uh, these cookies, they're kind of like dry and chewy. And I know that that sounds unappealing, but dunking them in black tea, oh my God, okay. they're so good. Yeah. I mean, imagine you could dunk them in tea, coffee, glue vine, uh, yes. glog. All the things, all yeah. the things you like dunking in. Yes, all all my favorite dunkables. Lori, one more question before we let you go. Yeah. What is your next project, and what could I do to induce you to have it be <laughs> something like a cookbook called like Cookies with Way Too Much Chocolate? <laughs> Usually sometime like around the holidays, I usually make our, which is probably our family's favorite cookie, which is chocolate malt sandwich cookies. It's a Martha Stewart mm. recipe. I'm sure it's been mentioned on the show before. Oh, yes. And yes. so that is definitely on deck. And it, it's pretty fun to make because, well, I like try, the, trying new recipes is good. It's also nice to, you know, make something that I know will make my family very happy. I also have what I've been looking forward to, even though like cookies are my favorite thing to make. We recently got a new cookbook also from Book Larder called uh, Snacking Cakes. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So Snacking Cakes looks great. And I've been kind of waiting to be done with cookies so I can try <laughs> yeah. uh, so I can try some of the recipes from this because especially it looks really good for, you know, recipes that we probably have the ingredients to make which are really fun. So I'm looking forward to trying that. And I am looking forward to snacking on those cakes. <laughs> I remember once on the blog, I wrote a post about like the importance of everyday cakes. Yes. yes. It's just like a cake to have around on the counter. Mm -hmm. So God, I, yeah, I need to get this book, Snacking Cakes. Yes, That'll it, be my next yep. book larder purchase. Everything looks really good. All right. Uh, wife of the show, Lori, thanks so much for being on Spilled Milk. <laughs> wow. Do I need uh, a yes. closing line? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah, what's thank your, what's you, your closing joke? Every every guest is expected to prepare one. Uh, thank you, Lori. We hope it wasn't too painful and that your marriage survived. <laughs> <laughs> survived both the 20 cookies and talking about them on this episode. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. 
Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Yeah, I mean, the thing I realized about cookies, uh, like in case this isn't obvious, is like there are two cookies that I really love, brownies and chocolate chip cookies. And anything that departs very far from those, I'm like, eh, I'm so boring. No, I feel the same way, though. I think that like brownies and chocolate chip cookies done well, I really don't need to veer very far from that ever. Okay, but that that's not like a criticism of a, of a 20 cookie project. Oh, at, at no, same time. no, no, no. I mean, I wish that my spouse had had undertaken a 20 cookie project. I, hint, I mean, hint. I hope they can't hear me saying this, but they've undertaken other projects that have pleased me. That's good. Yes. <laughs> you want to do some uh, listener mail? Let's do some listener mail. All right. What episode were, were we talking about uh, pastry coffins on? Pie. Oh, apple, the pie. apple pie episode. Right. Yep. So uh, during that episode, we said, uh, what is this uh, thing about pastry coffins? Uh, and like, were people really baking uh, pastries in the Middle Ages and then throwing away the dough? And maybe uh, listener and food historian Ken Albala would know something about this. Well, uh, the after the episode aired, I immediately got a message from Ken Albala <laughs> in which he uh, he pasted in part of an article that he had written about references to, to pastry coffins in Shakespeare. <gasps> Spear. And I'm going to just go ahead and read a little of this. Ken Albala, we love you. So this is this is listener Ken writing now. Although Shakespeare is not known for being gastronomically minded, many of his references do shed light on culinary practices of the Renaissance. Among the best known is the passage in Hamlet where the prince mentions that, quote, the funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Wow. You know, it seems like um, the coldly furnish forth the marriage tables seems like <laughs> something that you need the Gottmans to help you with. Exactly. <laughs> right? It, does, it, does it call to mind like, like two people sitting at opposite ends of like a table that's 27 feet long? Yeah. Right. Uh, it, it coldly. Coldly, um, like... Just, I guess nowadays they would like just each be looking at their phones, but like back in the old days, they would just be like staring. Well, they would have been looking at the funeral baked meats. Right. So so Ken says, but the phrase refers obliquely, albeit gruesomely, to the pastry shells of the baked meats or pies, also known as coffins. The pastry was sometimes a vehicle for storage of the contents and wasn't eaten, being made of coarse but sturdy freestanding rye flour. The contents would include gelatinous broth or fat to keep the contents hermetically sealed. The coffin is thus meant to protect and preserve the contents of corrupt from corruption. Wow, this uh, I feel so like there's so many metaphors in this. I know, and uh, and like later in the article, uh, which I, I will ask Ken if there's a place we can link to it. Um, he talks that there's there's some really disgusting stuff in Titus Andronicus about like like grinding up children and putting them into a pastry coffin. That's like for sure Shakespeare's grossest play. I think. I just feel like. Uh, it, it seems like, do you think that like maybe the Capitol wouldn't have been stormed if it had been sealed in a pastry coffin? Oh, that is an interesting idea. But I like, do you, do you really like, like, can walls really solve our problems? In this case, maybe yes. 
Maybe, maybe so. Because the coffin is thus meant to protect and preserve the contents from corruption. So. Exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's there's also a lot of corruption inside the inside the, the crust true. in that That's case. True. But huh. All right, political okay. humor. I like it. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Now, now let's wow. <laughs> now let's wow. That's that's a great. I, wait a minute. Wait. Hold it right there because now let's wow is a great title for a segment. I don't know what the segment would be about, but come on, right? I feel like I'm stroking out over here. <laughs> and um, now let's wow. No, we were going to move into our other segments. Before oh right, we no, wrap no. Up okay, this show. is even more exciting than now let's wow. It's the quilting segment. <laughs> What's new in the world of quilting? I think I told you last week that I had learned how to uh, hand quilt, like hand stitch. Yes. Hand quilt, my quilt. And I'm still working (laughs) on that, uh, but I'm making really good progress. Uh, I I showed June the progress I had made earlier this week, and she looked at it and was like, well, well, like I'm doing it. (laughs) It sounds like she was really impressed based on (laughs) that. I'm doing it in this pattern that's sort of of my own choosing, but it's kind of irregular, intentionally irregular. Yes. I think you talked about this. Anyway, she was like, why are you only stitching around some of the shapes? And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Children, such binary thinkers. Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, that's my quilting update. It it, it marches on. Uh, we've now finished watching The Crown, which was a really good show to quilt along to. Oh, I can imagine that. And so now I need to find a new show to quilt. Um, you to. should quilt to Bridgerton if you haven't watched any Bridgerton. You know what? We watched the trailer for Bridgerton, and I got to say, both Ash and I were kind of like, I don't think this is our humor. Okay. That's I think fair. we I think we might go back and do Broad Church because we're both kind of on a real Olivia Coleman kick at the moment. Okay, that sounds yeah. good. Is so, I, I don't know what the I know I know who Olivia Coleman is and she's great, but I don't know what Broad Church is. Is it like an investigative type uh, of thing? Yeah, I think it's it's a you know a crime thing. It's okay. It's yeah, a crime. So, thing. Somebody dies or disappears. Somebody disappears or something. Anyway, whatever. All right, great, great. That was the trailer for Broad Church right there. <laughs> it's it's like a crime thing maybe. <laughs> You can quilt to it. You can quilt to it. Anything new in the world of Animal Crossing? Uh, Nope. Nothing new in the world of Animal Crossing. Okay. Well, have I got a cute animal you need to know. Oh, I have something for the, the the cute animals segment. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Do you want to go first? So June introduced me to a show on Netflix called Izzy's Koala World. Oh, wow. That sounds good. There is a young girl named Izzy. She seems to be maybe like 11 or 12. And her mother is a, a wildlife veterinarian. And they live on an island uh, in Australia. And there are a lot of koalas on the island. And they basically take in koalas that are injured or have been abandoned in some way and rehab them and re-release them into the wild. And this is a show, you know, made for, I think, you know, young people. Mm -hmm. And it is delightful. It's informative. And the koalas are so cute. It, like, it almost moved Ash to tears just seeing how cute they are. Are they the ones who eat eucalyptus? Yes. So, you know, big recommendation for Izzy's koala world i've only watched two episodes but uh yeah it's really sweet and we enjoyed watching it as a family how many episodes are there i think only like six or eight 
Is it possible it has like a cliffhanger ending? Uh, hopefully it's not actual like koalas on a cliff. On a Although cliff, they'd, yeah. they'd probably be fine. What am I thinking? Yeah, I think fine. I think they're probably good at like like scrabbling up, yeah, up they'd, trees they'd and fine. stuff. Okay, well my cute animal uh, this week is the baby pine martin, and oh a pine God. martin is. It's sort of like a weasel or a badger. It's in that family, the the mustelid family. It's like, you know, I, we talked about stoats. I think stoats was what started this whole cute animal segment. And, like, they're they're not quite as, like, long and, and hot dog-like as stoats. I, but, I gotta, uh, but, you know, they're like a little furry brown thing that scrabbles around on trees. I got to look up a stoat uh, again. And they are found... Oh my god, they're so you gotta look cute. Again. God, they're stoats, like stoats weasel. Are like really... They're like weasels colored like foxes. Oh yeah, my. They're, they're they're like fox weasels. But we're not talking about stoats today. We're talking about oh, baby fine. pine martins, which okay. uh we're gonna post a link to a video. Um and in this one, like they, they just kinda like climb around on trees and sometimes they chase squirrels and uh I oh. think you know they're carnivorous, so they also like like uh, do a lot of, of like cute murders, but uh you know it's it's the animal kingdom. Oh my god. They're really cute. Yeah, right? Oh, they're really cute. They they both they scratch like the stoat itch, the fox itch, and the koala itch. And they will literally scratch bit. you. Yeah, I mean, look at their look at their paws. Yeah. They, they, it looks like they have dog paws but with longer sort of uh they look they look more articulated. Yeah, and they're found like all across like Scotland and most of the European continent. God, how big is a is an adult pine martin? I I don't know. I only I only I only deal in in baby animals. I think. Oh, no, I guess look- we talked about adult uh, the little monkeys, pygmy marmosets. Well, here there's a video, a suggested video on my YouTube that says the pine martin is na- nature's most adorable assassin. There we go. Yes, yep. I, yep. I I agree with that assessment. I aspire to be one of nature's most adorable assassins. Do well, you think, how am I doing? Um, I mean, how are you doing in like the adorability a- axis or the assassin part? Because like, <laughs> I don't. Different. Um, I I don't know if I'm really qualified to comment on the second one. <laughs> Maybe we should like go off air. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, am I, just... am I qualified to comment on the first one? I feel like I've been, I've been, you've been set up some sort of like trap for me or possibly yourself. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. no, I... no. You're, you're, uh, you're absolutely adorable and, and an incredible marks person. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we we did as one of our little COVID family projects uh, <laughs> make a bow and. <laughs> Right, yeah, we you practiced did. sniping. Right, sniping, and like the bow and arrow was not very good. Right? Uh yeah, yeah. Okay, it wasn't very good. Anyway, okay. Well, this has been a, another really informative episode of Spilled Milk. Oh, it has. You can find uh, that whole sunset cookies feature uh, in the show notes, yeah. as well as a video of the baby pine martin, which is a must-see. I, I know we've gotten some cute animal suggestions. If you have made all 20 sunset cookies and you want to rank them, or if you haven't and want to rank them just based on our, the names and our descriptions, you know, you can let us know on Reddit. That's reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Uh, where uh, people get together and talk about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. Mm-hmm. Thanks again to wife of the show, Lori, for being our guest today. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add before we say what, – what, what was the new segment name we came up with? Oh, um, wow. The, now, but now wow. Now, the wow. 
It's like current events, but they're really exciting. Really, really like just fun, uplifting current. I guess that's what that's what that like uh, very short lived uh, John Krasinski YouTube show was. Oh, is that is that gone? I never watched it, but I heard. I about think it. yeah, I think it lasted like four episodes or was something. It, was it called Now But Wow? No, it was called uh, it was called like Some Good News, maybe. Okay. I think maybe he ran out of good news after three episodes. Maybe we could ask our listeners to submit news items, uh, sort of not <laughs> not too not too like short lived, but you know, uh, submit news, positive news to now, but wow. Okay, wait. I thought it was now the wow, or was it now but wow? We might have to go back and listen to the tape. <laughs> Uh, but when you say not short-lived, you mean like news that will still be news like five weeks later when it actually you, appears on the that's episode? That's exactly right. Yes. So so in other words, the opposite of news. Right. Or maybe okay. just like, it, maybe it's not even news we're looking for. Maybe it's like just ex- exciting stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, did you... Oh, on uh, on the show Jordan, Jesse Go, which I've listened to for years, they have a segment called... Shit, I've listened to like a thousand episodes of that show. I cannot remember what the segment is called. Uh, <laughs> it's where people call it momentous occasions. It's where people call in with momentous occasions, like something exciting happened to them or they saw something exciting happen. They should call that segment now, but wow. I mean, yeah, maybe. Please. Okay, because I don't want to just steal their segment and give it a, and give it a better name because now, now, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if I like now, but wow, or now the wow. <laughs> I think I like well, now we'll, the wow. We'll find out when we when we listen to the tape again. We, or we'll, we'll find out when we listen to a future episode and see what we say. Okay, okay. So what is the so? Uh, I want some listener content. For okay, so, this so yeah, if you want to if you want to uh, ask us a question for for listener mail, which I forgot to call spilled mail, or or if you want to send us in something something we should know for now now the wow or now but wow. <laughs> Contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. I don't think we've really made clear what kind of what kind of content we're looking for. <laughs> maybe maybe it's gonna just like uh, develop organically as people yeah, send that? us stuff that's wow worthy, but not like wow in the world. I mean, that's a different podcast. No, that's right. I kept thinking of that too. Um, remember the the bonus episode where you described New Yorker cartoons? Maybe someone will send us in a description <laughs> of a of a funny New Yorker cartoon that they saw, and then you will you will describe their description. I would love to. I, I would. So I put my New Yorker subscription on hold a number oh. of months ago, maybe a year or two ago, actually, because I found that I was reading a lot more books and I just wasn't yeah. having time. Oh, I so hope my in laws didn't put their sunset subscription on hold. So I'm very behind on New Yorker cartoons and good shouts and murmurs. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like this could be part of now the wow. Like what, what's <laughs> what's going to wow us? Like send us stuff that's, that's wowy. Yeah. Send, send Molly an old issue of the New Yorker and she, and she will be wowed. <laughs> No, but if there's like a really good cartoon that I should know about or yep. like, okay, just mm-hmm. so you know, my taste in Shouts and Murmurs, <laughs> one of my favorites is the one um, from a couple years ago where it's Letters from a Gold Rush Mother. Yep, I knew which one you were going to yeah. say. That so was that very good. that is like really my kind of Shouts and Murmurs humor. So listeners, <laughs> now the wow. Now but wow. Yeah. All right. Until next time, I'm uh, Bob. Uh, and I'm Sue. <laughs> Now, this is everyone's favorite part of the podcast, the part before the guest comes on when you know the guest is uh, just sitting there like waiting to jump in.
Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' cold K-cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be.